Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I love that verse. Glad. They said, let's go to church. Amen. Um, before we get into today's message, um, <clears throat> I was talking to a young lady about a week and a half ago or so who gave me a testimony about something that happened in her life. And I I asked her, I said, would you please share that with the church? And she said yes, um, reluctantly, not because she didn't, you know, have a good story. It's because, you know, she's like most people, doesn't like public public speaking. But uh, I said, well, I think you'll do well. And she already spoke this morning in the first service and gave us her testimony. And so uh, I asked her to do uh, part two today for this service, to do it again. And so Elizabeth Philpott's going to come and just share a great story for you to inspire you. So would you please give her a big One Cause Church welcome. Awesome. Good girl. Thank you. Um, To give you a little bit of background about myself, I'm a Montessori teacher. I've been working at Montessori schools for about five or six years. Um, And I recently got a new job at a Montessori that just opened uh, the beginning of this year. Um, I was originally hired with them to be their assistant uh, infant guide. Um, They had a lead guide that they had already hired, and they said, would you like to assist her? And I said, of course. Um, I love infants. Uh, But when we opened in March, they had no infants, so they asked us to uh, be in their toddler classroom. Uh, They had a a lot of toddlers, so we had to open two toddler classes, and day one was great. Um, But I had a hard time connecting with the lead guide in there, Um, tried to follow her lead, um, and she always seemed frustrated with me, Um, was trying to copy what she did, um, help her in any way that she needed, had several meetings with her about how I can be better in the classroom, Um, got to the point of her huffing and puffing every time I did something, and even asking me to leave her classroom. So I spoke with the director, and we had a plan to help uh, for us to be able to connect and and get along in the classroom, Um, and it failed as well. Uh, And I was trying everything that I could, uh, didn't know what to do, and I started feeling like I wasn't talented as a a teacher, and uh, started feeling like maybe I, I can't do this, and I thought for all these years that I could, and realized now... I'm not so good at this. I started feeling very discouraged, and I went to the director, and I told her how I felt, and I said, I really, I mean, your your program is amazing. Uh, I love this school, but I cannot feel this way about myself on a daily basis, and I don't think that this is the place for me. Um, I told her that I wanted to put in my notice and, and that I really appreciated that their time and effort, um, and she asked me to give it some thought. She said, just take the night, think about it. She said, I love you as a teacher and I want to keep you, so just take one night and and think about it. And that was a Wednesday morning, so I came to church on Wednesday night. And that very night after worship, Pastor Eric came up here and he said, there's someone here today who is struggling in their work and they want to quit. And he said, there is going to be a huge turnaround and God is going to bless you. And I was crying so hard. Um, I knew that God was speaking to me. I went there that Thursday morning, and I said, I have prayed about it. I'm going to stay. I want to stay. I know something 
great is going to happen, I know I belong here. Um, so I stayed in there, that was about six weeks ago. Um, I've been working with this teacher since then, and it hasn't been smooth, but uh, every time that there has been a point where I have started to get frustrated, I have just thought, Lord, I'm trusting you. I know that you're doing something. Um, I know that I belong here. And last Friday, the director came to me and she said, Elizabeth, we're getting some infants in May. And we love her in the toddler room, so we would like to promote you to the lead guide in the infant room and give you that classroom. So next Monday, I will be their lead guide. I've gotten a promotion and a raise. <laughs> awesome. And I will open with three babies in my classroom. Praise God. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Great story. Do not grow weary while doing good. For in due season you will reap if you don't lose heart. Amen. It's a beautiful thing. I'm grateful for those times, and I think maybe you've all probably experienced this at one way or another, that just the word spoken to you at the right time, the right season in your life, the right moment, that gave you strength and energy to believe and keep moving forward. And so uh, I, I just wanted to encourage you with that word today. Thank you, Elizabeth, for sharing that yeah. with us. It's great, great, great testimony. And today I want to talk to you out of Romans chapter 8. <clears throat> it's a marvelous chapter, and we're going to look over a few verses. I just want to talk to you for a few minutes about it is finished and what the finished work of Christ has done, has accomplished, has brought into our lives. And the, when Jesus said it is finished, so much was released in that statement for his people, for the people of God, for those who will believe, those who will receive from God. And uh, so in Romans 8, Paul begins to show us what, it, what that means, what Jesus did for us and what, the, what benefits came out of that and blessings flowed to us through that finished work. And so he starts, you remember the scripture, Romans 8, 28, it says, and we know all things work together for good to those who love God and those who are the called according to his purpose. And so we've, many of us have leaned on that verse of scripture to be facing adversity in life and to realize, wait, God's going to turn this thing around for good. God has the ability to do it, so I'm putting this in his hands. But then Paul just begins to go on further from there and says, for whom he predestined these, he also conformed to, to be uh, to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And these who, who, and whoever he predestined, these he also called. And whoever he called, these he also justified. And whoever he justified, these he also glorified. Justification happens in the spirit. Glorification happens when you get, this, get the new body, right? The new heavenly body where it will never wear out. It will never have the wrong desires, thank God. All right, it's going to be the perfected work, completed and finished. And so he says, if he justified you, then he's already glorified you, which means this whole work is finished. It's complete. And now we walk this thing out through this, in this time factor. But it's already a done work, because he who started it will be faithful to complete it. Jesus Christ, it says to look to him, because he is the author and the finisher of our faith. So that completed work, that finished work. So Paul's just bringing this to a culmination when he says he justified, he glorified. And then he opens up in verse 31 and says, Who shall, or what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If this is already a completed work, if he saved you, if he called you, predestined you, and it's a done work, you're, you're justified, you're sanctified, and you're glorified all in one thing, then that tells us that God's completely totally, utterly on our side. Yeah, and if that's true, what's going to stop you? Yeah, thank you 
What's going to stop you? It doesn't matter then who's against you. There's a greater truth behind the trouble that you're facing. Behind the adversity, there's a greater truth that he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And then he just takes it to another level. Verse 32, it says, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, us all, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? In other words, who's going to charge you with any wrongdoing? It is God who justifies. Or who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is risen, who is, he, uh, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Isn't that glorious? Christ who died, who is he condemns? A few things few benefits, we'll say, that have been brought to us through the finished work of Christ. Number one, we have out of verse 31 and 32, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? For he who did not spare his own son. Everybody say favor. That's absolute favor. That God chose to give Jesus to have you. It's not just the most precious thing he had. Jesus isn't just the most precious thing God had to give. Jesus is everything God had to give. Everything. The very fact that Jesus became a man already proved to us that God was on our side. The fact that he was born of a virgin, that he was born just like all the rest of us are, came into the world like we do, being born, already proved to us that he was on our side. I mean, the angel announced it ahead of time. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace, goodwill toward man. The fact that God became a man. Wow, already showed how he saw us. That everything was going to change in this Christ child. Everything changed in our relationship with God through his son. I like John chapter 1. We're going to look at it from the Amplified Version for, for a moment. Verse 16, it says, For out of his fullness... Abundance, we have all received, all had a share, and we were all supplied with one grace after another, and spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing, and even favor upon favor, and gift heaped upon gift. Wow, that's a lot, isn't it? For while the law was given through Moses, grace, unearned, undeserved favor, and spiritual blessing and truth came through Jesus Christ. God made a decision, He decided to extend his favor from exclusively even his own people, those natural-born children of Abraham known as the Jews, to all mankind, to every tribe, every nation, and every tongue. Amen. And so this favor has come to us only through Jesus Christ. But what a favor he's given to us. What you need to understand today is that God, there, there was so much that happened in this finished work. And one of those exchanges that, that took place was uh, Galatians chapter 3 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having been made a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham, this is verse 14, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. Now, I think there are a few Gentiles in Christ Jesus here today. I think I'm at the right church, right? All right. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. 
What is that blessing of Abraham? That's a, that's a lofty sounding term. It's a huge blessing. And I don't have time to go into all that that blessing is. We've talked about it before. And if you want to check it out, you can go to our podcast. We just conveniently have it for you uh, on, our, on our website. And we have all of our sermons there that you can download and listen to and be encouraged throughout the week. But the blessing of Abraham is basically summed up in this. I will bless you. This is what God said. And he says to Abraham, and he also says to you today, I will bless you and you will be a blessing. I will bless you. And that blessing is going to so change your life. It's so going to overwhelm you and envelop you and fill you up to where now you're going to turn around and act like me toward other people. I'm going to bless you so abundantly. You know, God wants to bless you abundantly. And he proved, he proved that he's a God of abundance over and over again. And he continues to today. It's to bless you so much so that it's spilling out of your life to other people. This is glorious. Right. What favor he has given us. Favor isn't earned. It's not something, it's not an award that you achieve on your own merits. Faith is freely given to you by God. Thank you. Let me say this. If you don't expect to receive it though, if you don't believe it, if you think for some reason that you're not worthy of God's favor, then you have chosen simply to refuse this gift. To have it, to receive it, is to simply believe it. And to confess it over your life. I want you to say this with me for just a moment. Can you, can you, can you go with me for a moment? Christ lives in me today. He freely gives me all things. I am complete in Him. I will not be afraid. I will not be ashamed. I will believe God. See, this is, this is where you come to the place where you just believe what He says no matter what you feel about it. He's chosen to favor you. Get over it. Enjoy it. Amen. I know what it's like to have to be favored. Well, first of all, look at my wife. I mean, <laughs> that's usually the question I get asked when guys meet me, and then they meet my wife. They go, how did you do that? What? Did you see what you're looking at? No, uh, besides that, besides that, this happened when I was, uh, when I was a kid. <laughs> I, was, I was born the, the August that my parents were going into their senior year in high school. So um, those weren't easy times for my parents. They were just 16 years old. And uh, so that first year... My first year, I lived with my grandparents basically during the day while mom and dad finished high school out. And so as a result, for some reason, my grandfather, I just became the object of his affection. <clears throat> I could do no wrong in his eyes. I wasn't the first grandchild. I was the third one, three, th number three of six total. And I started catching on to this as I was growing older. I didn't realize just how favored I was until my brother would remind me just how favored I was. And so I took advantage of it. Now you can, I know none of you would ever do that, but I did. I did. I took advantage of it. Um, and I'm telling you, it's tough talking to a perfect crowd. I'm up here just spilling my sins out at you. But it was, it was really became apparent to me, I should say, whenever my brother and I would fight. And we're only a year apart. So, uh, We'd be wrestling around on the living room floor, 
And I can have my brother pinned down and be, you know, knuckling his chest. And he's hollering and screaming. And my grandpa would walk in the room and go, Brandon, leave Eric alone. <laughs> and it just drove my little brother nuts. He just, he could not see me doing anything wrong. So you can imagine why I took advantage of that. But that wasn't something that I had worked for or earned. It was just something my, cho- my grandfather chose to give to me. What you need to understand about this favor is, is you don't have to do something to, to get in the light of God's favor. Yeah. He gives it to you no matter what. Yeah. He already yeah. proved that through the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ, that while you were dead in your sins, he made you alive together with Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, when you couldn't make the choice, he made it for yeah. you. He chose you, he adopted you, he called you, he justified you, and he glorified you through Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So if, if you're a son of God today, then you are an heir. In other words, act like you own everything that God has given you. Act like you own the place. That's why God says, when you come to me, come boldly before the throne of grace. Act like you're in the family. Amen. Yeah. That The favor of God is upon your life. Believe it, confess it, and expect God's favor to abound to you. Because whatever you've experienced before in the past, the the good, the bad, and the ugly, we all have. Don't have that expectation for what's ahead. Expect to meet God's favor. Expect to find his favor wherever you go. Favorable situations, favorable positions, favorable connections, favorable opportunities. They're lying in wait for you. Amen. Let's look at this next thing in verse 32. It says, uh, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Can you say this loud with me? All things. All right. That means fullness. We have favor and we also, through the finished work of Christ, have fullness. All things are yours through Jesus. His fullness is, is found in what the fact that he freely gave you all things. We know what it's like to, to have fullness as Americans, and sometimes we forget just how well we know it. We're used to going to the store and going into the, to the refrigerator, and, going to, and there's always something there. But it dawned on me a few years ago that I didn't realize just how much I took this for granted when we had had a missions conference, a, a church out, and my dad was pastoring out in West Texas, and, and so we had some people come in <clears throat> from different nations, and, and some people from Russia came in, from Moscow, actually, because we had sent our Christian school principal and his wife there to establish the very first Christian school in Moscow. And uh, they did this back around 1990, 91, somewhere around there, and got it established, and uh, as far as I know, it's still going to this day. But um, they met some people there, and, and so we were able to, through raising some funds to help get some of these Russians here, uh, we wanted them to come and give testimony about what had happened, you know, there with the school there, and I think they might have planted a church as well. So uh, there was an older woman in the group. Lots of young people were there, but an older woman was in the group, and, and so they were driving her around, showing her, you know, the architecture of San Angelo, whatever, however much of that there is, really, and and just driving around, and, and, and nothing, none of this really impressed her, because, I mean... You've seen pictures of Moscow, right? I mean, got some really nice buildings. It's beautiful. And so none of that really moved her until she needed to get some supplies, and they took her to Walmart. And she walked into the grocery side of Walmart and walked in and was overcome with tears 
by the abundance on those shelves. And she said, is this always here? They said, yeah, it's always here. She said, all of this, it's always here. Like tomorrow, if we come tomorrow, this will still be here. All of this bread and all of this, all the, yeah, hello, you're in America. And she said, well, that's not like it where I come from. There might be one or two items of that. And tomorrow you come back, it won't be on the shelf and it might not be there for several days or weeks. See, what God has supplied for you is exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ask or think. He's given you everything that pertains to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him. Oh my goodness, if you will just take advantage of it. Take advantage of this fullness that He has supplied. Listen to this. David said, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. John said, out of his fullness we have received. We have all received in grace for grace. Peter said it like this, as his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. And Paul said, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him. You are complete in him who is the head of us all. All principality and power. Godly, God freely gives you all things. If you will hold on and believe by faith that truth, that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Amen. Of his fullness. Now, I want to just ask you, maybe how often that you acknowledge God in your daily decisions when it comes to what he can give you, when it comes to his supply. You know, we make many, many decisions every day. And many of those decisions that we make really are on automatic pilot. Have you ever stopped to interrupt your process? You ever stopped taking some time to say, wait a second, this is the way I always do it. Lord, have I truly invited you to come in and help me see this in a different way? Help me think a different way to to bring in what you want to, to invite what you want to give to me in this situation. Because I'm so used to just doing it how I do it. Because God has more for you. David said, you open your hand and you satisfy the desire of every living thing. Many people, when it comes to trouble in their own lives, they find themselves without answers. And so they might ask a question like, why is God allowing this to happen to me? Or why, uh, where is God in all of this? Or maybe God is punishing me for something I've done. Say things like that, and I'm just going to be frank with you today, either because they're immature or they're insecure in their relationship with God. Amen. All right? And if you're saying, well, shoot, that's me. Well, hey, i got some good news for you. You can grow up. Amen. You can grow. You can grow out of that, that knowledge and grow into the knowledge of God. You understand there's so much more that he has for you, and how, his love is so much greater. Let me just say this. His favor is way greater than your failure. Yeah. Thank you. Hmm? Your failure doesn't trump his favor, nor his fullness. Paul taught us there was a mystery that was hidden from the ages that's now been revealed. And that mystery, now that has been revealed through Christ, is Christ in you. I want you to say that with me, Christ in me. See, that, that's a whole different experience then. Because now you don't have to judge God or look to God based upon circumstantial evidence. Seeing him through external means, rather understanding that he's in you. He's right now inside your reality. Amen. And you don't need external evidence to prove his goodness and his faithfulness to you. That does help. 
But you don't need that proof because he's in you already. And you can know that he's going to do what he said he would do. Jesus said, be of good cheer. Listen, the world, you're going to have trouble. I've overcome the world. With me, you get cheer. With me, you get joy. With me, you get courage. Amen. God didn't fail you. He never will, never has. But there might be a chance that he didn't get the opportunity to help you in your situation. So open yourself up. Acknowledge him in all your ways, and he will direct your paths. And lastly, I want to go to this last thought. Verse 33 of Romans chapter 8. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. I love that verse of Scripture. Or who is he who condemns? It's Christ who died. Furthermore is risen. No charge. The devil can accuse you, but he can't charge you with anything. And he will accuse, and he does accuse. Hmm? When you have matters that have been settled in your life, some failures that you've overcome, you've come to find out that the devil still accuses, doesn't he? He still whispers that in your ear, trying to bring you down, trying to keep you from moving forward in life. He's a lousy, lying lizard. But this says, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? This speaks of freedom, total freedom that you have. There's nobody that can condemn you now because Christ died. It's God who justifies. It's Christ who died and is risen and, and, is, and is seated at the right hand of God. And he's making intercession for you. How on your side do you need to see him? Hmm? How much more does he need to prove himself? He's praying for you right now. And Jesus said, he whom the sun sets free is free indeed. He didn't just set you free. He made you free. He made you who were in darkness. He made you light now. You're completely different. You're not just, God was not in Christ making you a refurbished form of you. No, he made you brand new inside and out. Amen. You're not just a, a new and improved version. You're brand new. Amen. You were a sinner. But now you're saved by grace. And those two things are not mixed together. My religious friends say they are. I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. No, no, no. You're either a sinner or you're saved by grace. You're not both. (laughs) But as long as you identify that you're a sinner saved by grace, then you'll just keep on sinning. Hmm? If that's what you really think happened, that he just kind of covered you up and made you look nice on the outside. Hey, the animal sacrifices did that. No, Jesus' blood eradicated sin. Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. Thank God he took them away and made us a new creation in Christ. That's how free you are. See, he made you free. Made you for freedom. Didn't just set you down. There are people who get out of prison that aren't really free because they didn't get free here. I have a good friend who ministers in prisons down in South Texas. He's a chaplain, one in particular. And he said that he's seen this pattern. The reason so many of these guys repeat is because he said they have what I call a zero-based vision. And their vision, once they're in prison, is to what? Get out of prison. They want to get out. But that's as far as their vision takes them. Get out. Get out of this place. So once they get out and they haven't established a new vision, something to take them further in life, new goals, well, guess what happens? They're, as far as they know, their vision is still get out. So now they go do something to get them back into prison so they can relive that getting out goal again. 
And it's this over and over and over again. But see, you weren't set free. You were made free. Not even the same thing any longer. Dead in sin, now alive into Christ. Whole new creation. Oh, that's good. So, you're so free. How free are we, Pastor Eric? Well, let me finish. You're so, <laughs> you're so free. Deuteronomy chapter 19. Last verse, okay? Deuteronomy chapter 19. Um, about this time, I don't know, maybe if you had this experience in church about this time in the message, the pastor would usually say something like, and that was just the introduction. I'm like, oh, are you kidding me? I thought you were about to wrap it up, Pastor. <laughs> Okay, uh, where are we? Deuteronomy, chapter 19, verse 15. One witness shall not rise against a man concerning any iniquity or any sin. Now, this is under the law that he commits. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, the matter shall be established. The first time we see that phrase, by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every matter shall be established. Jesus later said that when he was talking about two people in conflict. And if they couldn't work out the conflict themselves, then they need to go before some people at church, right? The church leadership. And, and then that's when it says, by the mouth, he said that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, the matter shall be established. Paul over in Corinthians says, this is now the third time I'm coming to you. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, every matter shall be established. So we understand that this is uh, a truth that extends not just uh, uh, one, it extends dispensations of time, I should say. It, it's true in every situation, all right, throughout all time. When it comes to matters of being a witness, Something being established. What did David say about the word of God? Psalm 119, verse 89. He said, forever, O Lord, your word is settled where? Where did he say it was settled? In heaven. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. All right, so heaven's a great picture for us of what it looks like, what the atmosphere looks like, where the word of God is established forever. So wherever the Word of God is established and the will of God is in full force, there's nothing stopping it. So what does that look like? No death. No sickness. Huh? No fighting. No violence. No war. No trouble. No blindness. No sickness. No disease. No isolation. No depression. None of that's there. No fading. No waning, no weakening. None of that's there. It's all, why? Because the word of God is established there forever. Yeah. How did that happen? Well, through this triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Yeah. And when those three give witness to the word, it's an established matter. Think about it before the word ever leaves the Godhead. When Jesus taught us this. He said, I didn't come on my own authority. I don't say anything unless the Father says it. I don't come on my authority. I'm submitted to him. Whatever he says, that's what I say. Wow. So Jesus showed us that he submitted to the Father. The Father says it, then Jesus says it. Yeah. Interestingly enough, you go a little further, and this, you can find this in John 12, John 14, John 16. All right? For the sake of time, we won't get into all that. John chapter 16 said, but I, I'm, well, I'm leaving, and it's to your advantage that I leave, but I'm not going to leave you helpless. I'm going to send the helper to you, the comforter known as the Holy Spirit, and when he comes, he will not speak on his own authority. He will take of mine and deliver it to you. So we see that even in the Godhead, there is a submission. It's, it's a really powerful thought, help you understand the power of spiritual authority, that the Father speaks, then the Son speaks what the Father says. The Son speaks, and the Spirit says what the Son says. 
So by the time the Word of God, like I said, leaves the Godhead, it is an established, finished matter. Who can bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. These three that are one stand witness to your righteousness, to your holiness, the fact that you're above reproach. Now look at Deuteronomy chapter 19. It says one cannot stand. Think about it. The devil is how many? That means anything he says about you to God won't stand up. God says, is this all the witnesses? Sorry, you have no case. You have no case. You have no case. Because the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit have said he's justified. He's, he's purified. He's glorified. He's sanctified. He's mine. He's holy and above reproach. Oh, man, oh, man. Don't waste one more second on that stupid devil listening to his lies. Not even God listens to him. Woo! That's good news. If it don't stand with God, it shouldn't stand with you. So what should you do about it? You need to be a witness to what God has said too. We know the, what the, word, the matter, matter settled in heaven. How do we get it on earth? We do what Jesus said. You declare your kingdom come. You will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God just needs people now to become witnesses to his word here. And when you become witness to his word, guess what? You connect with God, you get the matter established in the earth. In your situation, in your family, in your job, you affect the environment where you are. That's how free you've been made. So that you're not a victim to your circumstances. No, you come in and you change circumstances by the word of God that comes through your mouth. Amen. And the world is groaning for it. The world is begging for the revealing of the sons of God. That's why this world's in turmoil. That's why we have winds and tornadoes and floods and all that stuff. Not because God's judging the world. That's stupid. God judged Jesus. God judged Jesus. The world is reconciled as far as God's concerned. The world is going, where are the sons? Hmm? That we as the church of the living God are here. We're not here to just be nice. We should be nice. We are here to take over. Amen. Not only are we the bride of Christ, but we are a triumphant army, a militant people, amen, who are angry at the stupid devil and his evil in the earth. So we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. We don't fight one another. We love one another. Amen. Amen. So you have today freedom. Today you have fullness today. You have favor from God. I have to stop right there. I could keep going, but maybe next Sunday we'll pick that up, all right? I hope this has blessed you today. Can we bow our heads for just a moment? Father, I want to say thank you for this time in your presence today. Thank you, Lord, for the favor and the fullness and the freedom that we have through the finished work of the Lord Jesus. Thank you that God was in Christ, reconciling the whole world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Lord, your word says, If we believe on you, that a man is justified by faith apart from works, justified by him who justifies the ungodly, he is made righteous. So we understand today, God, we can't earn this. We cannot earn the salvation. We cannot earn a relationship with you, a right relationship with you. We can't earn any of that. We can be as disciplined as we want to be, That is not what puts us in right standing with God. It's what Jesus Christ did. When the gospel came to us with these beautiful words, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. 
and he was buried. And he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. Your word says, whoever calls on his name shall be saved. Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. So, Lord, we thank you today. We believe on you. We believe that Christ died for our sins. What a glorious thing. Today, maybe you feel like you're on the outside looking in when it comes to the things of God. Maybe you've had the wrong idea that if, maybe if you just do enough good stuff that hopefully the good will outweigh the bad and it'll all turn out good in the end. That's not how God works. No, he, he needs you to stop thinking that way. He wants you to see what he has provided for you through his son. When Jesus Christ came to this earth, he said things that we cannot ignore. You're going to have to come face to face with the man Jesus Christ. Because he was either a lunatic or he really is Lord. Because he said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. In other words, men are building paths and roads and ideals and through philosophy and, and self self discipline, all those things are trying to build roads to God. There's a popular worldly term that says all roads lead to God. I will say I do believe that. I actually, I actually do agree with that. They all lead right to the judgment seat of God. <laughs> they all do. But there's only one road that leads to life. And no man built that road. God built that road. God built that road through his son, Jesus Christ, knowing that we could never build a road to him that would take us into a relationship. It would only take us to judgment. But Lord, your road, Jesus said, no one comes to the Father. Oh, all those other roads are going to the judge. But the road that Jesus provided brings us to the Father. Thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you, Lord. And whoever believes on him, it's as simple as this. You acknowledging that Jesus died for your sins because he did. Every filthy, nasty thing you've ever done, every thought that crooked and perverse thought that you've thought, every horrific word that you've let come out of your mouth, God punished Jesus for that so that you could be free, so that you would not incur and, and the, the, the death that would come with sin. It wasn't all you're doing bad that made you, put you in a wrong place with God. You were born a sinner. Adam did that, but God chose to not leave you helpless. And today you can be born again by simply saying, Lord, save me. I call on the name of Jesus today. And I receive that Christ died for my sins. And I, and I believe that God raised him from the dead. And I believe today because of that, I am in the family of God. It's this simple. God made it so easy for you to just simply come to him and believe on his name. Now, one last thing. If you're here today and you are sick in your body, you're, you're enduring, you're battling some, even, even some pain. I want you to just stand where you are right now and I pray for you. Any kind of sickness, anything that is contrary to health and healing in your body, Jesus Christ paid a high price for you to receive healing today. Because in the same afternoon that blood was shed for your sins, stripes were put on his back for your healing. Same afternoon. It was the same thing at work. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you, Lord. Right now, I just declare in Jesus' name. If you're next to someone who's standing, would you just gently lay your hand on them? Because the scripture says, those who believe, these signs will follow. Those who believe in my name, they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So, Lord, we thank you right now, right now, that the finished work of Jesus Christ 
that you accomplished when that first that first lash hit your back, that first uh, flagellum, that stripe, stri- uh, uh, opened up your back, Lord. We thank you right now that healing was released. And it, today it is just as in full force as it was then, just like your forgiveness is. So we declare healing over these bodies, free from sickness, free from disease, free from pain, because he bore our sickness and our disease, and he carried our pains. Thank you, Lord, for that. So, Lord, we thank you for that exchange that we can freely receive today because Jesus paid it all in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.